Hi guys and welcome back to Live Talks podcast on my second episode where I have a very special guest joining me. I'm really excited to introduce her as she's well known within the community and for the remarkable work which she does within mental health. Her name is Dr Samira and she's a general practitioner and works very closely within the mental health field. In this episode, we discuss mental health within BMA communities and the stigma attached to mental health and how this can be challenged. I also talk about my own personal experiences within counselling and how this inspired me to get into the mental health field. Please like, comment and share guys and I thank you for your ongoing support on this platform. I did have slight audio difficulties with this platform so you will notice it jumps straight to the episode but let's get into it. Like why I started um you know the podcast that I did um I just mm-hmm. like wanted um a platform especially like for Somali mental health um because as mm-hmm. I'm an aspiring um therapist I want to inshallah like get into counseling one day um so I just wanted to like create like a platform um where I could talk about like a range of different topics and sort of mm-hmm. also educate other people or um, just provide like a platform of inspirational content um, so other people can just come and give my platform a listen um, whenever they want to. Um, so yeah, that's just Fantastic. a background um, about why I started it. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I'll let you fire ahead, obviously, in terms of like you and what you do and like um, why you're so like inspired in terms of like mental health. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah. no, thank you so much, Sabeda, first of all, for having me no. on. I, the reason I jumped onto your platform is because yeah. I thought it would be a great opportunity to spread this powerful message. Yeah. And we all know the importance of stressing and the importance mm. of mental health, particularly yeah. in our communities, in Black and ethnic minority communities, yeah. um, in the Somali community in particular, because it is something that has traditionally been brushed under the carpet or has yeah. not historically or traditionally being given the importance and the highlight and the spotlight it deserves Mm -hmm. and the reason why I think it deserves a much bigger spotlight that it's getting at the moment is because it is something that is pervasive across Mm -hmm. all ages across all members of society across all kinds of generations and it's something that is affecting practically every single member of Mm -hmm. the household in various forms in various degrees so the the fact that as Somalis or even as ethnic populations we need to understand the relative um, interactions or the the downplay or the interplay of Mm. mental health and how it deeply affects us Mm. within our day-to-day interactions in our work life in our relationships in our ability to be able to forge a future for ourselves in Mm. our vision for our future in how we aspire to things and how we work towards things everything as you know very well is governed by mindset yes we Mm, do concentrate a lot on your current circumstances but a lot of it is also governed by your mindset Mm, and of course mm. we deeply believe in islam and the deen of islam and which is a massive interplay but i am a strong believer of Mm. tie your camel and twerkle allah and make it that's so that's very true like you've made like yeah definitely and like you've made a valid point in terms of like tying your camel and putting your trust I think a lot of like especially in the Somali community you find it's a lot of you know put your trust in Allah and that's it and you know they don't Mm -hmm. tend to like you know lean towards getting help it's always it's always come back to the dean it's always come to like either like the person has a lack of iman or you know it's always something to do with them spiritually rather than um you know mentally they don't actually see um you know like 
like you said the mindset's a very big thing they don't actually understand the importance of like mental illness just as much as physical illness because I feel like with physical it's obviously you know like you can physically see someone's unwell but when it's like you know I don't think they um, within the Somali community they take it as seriously especially with past generations um, I mean mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know why um, it's like that but in terms of like you know what you've come across in terms of the work you do um, obviously in the people that you've um, come across um, what do you think sort of like ignites within the Somali community especially or BMA um, you know communities and minority ethnic um, backgrounds communities like why do they not you know see the importance of like mental health or why is there such a stigma attached to mental health usually okay it's a great question but first and foremost I want to start off by my observations yeah I know 99.9% of the time mm. that our whichever community you're from our elders our parents our siblings yeah. our immediate surround you know society yeah. will want us to th- genuinely want us to thrive want us yeah. to be happy want us to yeah. feel fulfilled and have a sense of purpose yeah and to go about our lives being productive members of society so that's a given yeah however saying that is one thing i think mainly particularly from what i saw in um, the somali community which I have to mm. say, echoes across different communities. So yeah. the, the most of the communities I tend to work with are uh, people from Gujarati backgrounds, Pakistani yeah. backgrounds, Somali yeah. backgrounds, and Arab backgrounds. Yeah. And I found that these are common themes across all of these different communities. Mm. And that is the fact that there is a distinct lack of understanding to what mental health actually involves. So there mm. is, I think, because in this day and age, we're lucky to be in a, in a, in a, at a civilization or an era where yeah. A lot of things are being shared online. And alhamdulillah, yeah. because of that, a lot of our parents and, and people who have traditionally not been involved in networking circles like edu- higher institutions or yeah, education yeah. institutions or workplaces, such yeah. as people like our grandmothers and some of our mothers and aunties, they have, had, they have now received far more access via WhatsApp and, and Snapchat mm-hmm. and possibly Twitter nowadays and God yeah. knows what other media platforms. So they are starting to understand mm-hmm. and get bits and pieces almost like piecemeal information as to what mental health is involved but i don't i think the basic fundamental um concept is that there is a distinct lack of understanding as to what mental Mm. health is and essentially as humans it's difficult for us to understand what we cannot see yeah and what we have not experienced and when i say not experienced you may have experienced a detriment to your mental health but if you don't recognize it to be as such then i can't really call it an experience can you don't yeah yeah it's because of your mental health so you might have said that i experienced it so that's yeah. traditionally been the case. I don't think, and, and, and I think the, the other issue is coming from the lack of understanding is the fact that we are living in almost what feels like two different worlds. When I yeah, speak to my true. mother and my father and my grandparents yeah. and my aunties about how life was like for them growing up, the challenges they faced, the society yeah. they grew up in, yeah. the, the things they would think about, the things what people would aspire to or keep away from yeah. is distinctly different in some aspects to what yeah. we are exposed to yeah. you know growing up as first generation diaspora kids yeah, or yeah, first generation third culture kids as they call us in western yeah. western countries so yeah. because of that lack uh, you know massive distinct difference in our, the, the type of societies we're growing up in yeah i think mental health comes in several different forms unfortunately mm. we ourselves as well as our parents are unable to recognize yeah it's under this particular spotlight and i don't think they recognized it even back home in somalia because a lot mm, of it, mm, a lot yeah. of it was seen through the eyes of the dean which is actually yeah. very powerful yeah yeah in some yeah. aspects but it's a problem when they weaponize it against you That's yeah 
that is the problem so like um you know everything you mentioned is like really good and like you know very good points in, in terms of like you know the challenges that our parents and our grandparents grew up in um in comparison to us mm-hmm. now uh, but would you say like um in terms of like our like our generation like you know our previous generations of like our, our mothers fathers and our grandparents not being able to understand mental health do you think it's like due to the lack of education around mental health and is it bec- and also do you feel like there may be a lack of lack of services available for like bma um you know minority ethnic background um people when they come to ac- want to access these services because they may not know where to go or like who to go to or exactly like what to do would you I'd say it's both, definitely both. So um, I think it stems back from their upbringing, our upbringing as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So if, if, you do, if you are somebody who values physical health, yeah. values education, values yeah. the, you know, your, your spiritual upbringing as well as your child's, yeah. values the financial stability, values the home, you know, all of, these are all of the priorities that our parents have always been chasing to make sure to build a stable future and a home for themselves and their children, right? Yeah. yeah. Mental health, unfortunately, has not featured in that for mm. many reasons. I, th- mm. I think one of the main reasons being the fact that, A, it has never probably for a lot of them come to the surface as an actual problem. Of yeah. course, as human beings, we go through stress, we go through mm. anger, we go through various um, severities or degrees yeah. of depression and anxiety, yeah. but that is considered as part and parcel of life. That is considered mm-hmm. part and parcel of being human. And therefore it hasn't been seen as a distinctly problematic issue. And therefore if yeah. you don't understand it and acknowledge it to be a problematic issue or something that requires support and services and help and therapy yeah. and etc., yeah. then you, mm-hmm. the services therefore naturally will not align. There will not be services, for example, in parts of Somalia, Somaliland, to yeah, cater yeah. to that if the society doesn't consider it to be yeah, a, an issue to deal true. with. So that's, that's number one. But fast forward coming to places like the UK or other parts of the of the Western diaspora, yeah, these services do exist. But again, the mm. lack of understanding still remains. You mm, will not access true. something that A, you don't think you need, yeah. and B, even if you think you need it, you don't understand how it works and therefore don't believe it will work for you. So for mm. example, multiple... A lot of the time, and this is this comes across even like people who are of Caucasian background, mm, right? So yeah, yeah. I work with a lot of young university students. Yeah. And a huge part of the work I deal with them is mental health because I work on a university campus. Yeah. So mental health issues is rife on you as, and it's historically known that it's highest amongst university students. And mm. even then, growing up in such a society and coming across all these challenges, you know, moving out of home and having all the issues of anxiety, fitting in, peer pressure, yeah, depression, yeah. so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah, they yeah. struggle to, you know, it's, it's a huge thing for them, first of all, to come to the GP. Yeah, so when they yeah. do that, that, that in itself is a huge achievement. But then the other yeah, issue yeah. is convincing them that counseling and therapy works, what it yeah. actually means, how, mm. how it goes about. Because a lot of them mm. will come speak mm. to me and feel a lot better, you know, being able to share their burdens, but don't want to, you know, pursue further counseling and therapy, not because they don't want to get better, but yeah. be- because they feel it's so unnatural and very uh, problematic to them to speak to a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And number two, they don't see the point of it. Yeah, they really don't true. understand why it would actually help them get better. So mm-hmm. I almost have to convince them and explain, you know, to mm-hmm. them how it works. So similarly, yeah. coming back to our communities, yeah. if they don't understand this, the, the problem and then they don't understand the service that's supposed to fix this problem, yeah. and of course, there's going to be a massive void in the access to these services, which is why 
health advocacy and platforms like yourselves and other yeah. platforms that exist are super important to be able to break down these um, barriers. Yeah, and these barriers, true. a lot of the time, are barriers not only due to language, but also mainly cultural understanding and differences, mm. but also be able to gap, you know, build the bridge between yeah. people who need it and the actual services. So, Yeah, no, that's very true, actually. Like, even just going back to your point in terms of, like, um, university students, even myself, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast, um, I am obviously an undergraduate psychology student um, and mm-hmm. like even in the obviously atmosphere or like the campus that I'm in, like you can obviously tell that, you know, in certain terms or semesters, mm-hmm. there's a peak of stress and anxiety from a lot of students um, and even myself, I've come into contact with a lot of students um, that obviously are experiencing anxiety or like are going through maybe low peaks of depression or whatnot. Um, and like as soon as you may advise them to might go to go to like, you know, the uh, mental health um, counselor in the university, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. tend to just want to shy away and actually not go. Um, and I've just like, even just, you you know, mentioning that it kind of obviously made me think about that. Like I've come across a few students that wouldn't want to go to therapy or don't want to see, you know, the mental health counsellor or any mental health support mm-hmm. um, at our university um, on the basis of, I don't think it's going to help me or it's not going to, you know, it's going to be a waste of my time. Um, so you find that a lot in terms of like, it just like you said, with individual students and so forth. It's just mm-hmm. like having the belief that obviously because it won't work, you might not even want to go. You know, you might not eventually want to go at all because it's like if you've already put into your mindset, this therapy isn't going to help me, then, you know, you're not going to want to access it, like you said, or you don't want to go yeah. out and you want to reach out and actually get the help. Um, that you but need. that coupled with the stigma. So if you believe something may or may not work for you, or yeah. you loosely believe it may be beneficial, but you don't think it's largely going to be beneficial to you. Yeah, and it's yeah, against your character true. to speak to a complete stranger and open your heart and soul to them. Mm-hmm. Coupled with the true. fact that you're worried that this might, you know, go out there and, and you know, um, destroy either your reputation, your street cred, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Your yeah. credibility, or mm. even, and even more worrying within the Somali society sometimes that the stigma reaches levels where it affects entire families some people yeah. worry that it's a genetic thing i've seen yeah. a few mothers who kept it quiet because they were worried for the marriage prospects of their own daughters because yeah. of their mental health illness as yeah. if it's something yeah. that you're supposed to be able to catch like coronavirus mm. you know there's yeah, so many yeah, levels of this stigma that's mm. attached to this and the fact that for example some communities mm. like our own will forever attach a label to you yeah no that's and that label true. will never leave you as if it's meant to be a terminal illness so stigma yeah. in itself is a huge problem because i think some mm. people when they reach the end of their tether and reach yeah. you know their wits end yeah. and have, have 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 tried the whole method of keep it to yourself mm. get it together yeah. you're gonna yeah, get yeah. through this when that hasn't worked yeah usually as a human being you're going to look for the next best thing to release you off your angst to release you of this burden and distress right yeah, yeah and no, that usually true. would eventually mean that you find your way to counselors or therapy or even back to your doctor yeah, to take some yeah. antidepressants or even somebody to speak to like your family members yeah but that unfortunately doesn't happen mm. for a significant number of people because that wall of the stigma mm. is what's stopping them from accessing help that they so well know that yeah. they badly require within themselves and then you sometimes find young mm. adolescents who are living in a household of 10 12 people yeah yeah and the parents are not aware that this child is going through this problem wow yeah let alone the society not aware mm. they have no idea yeah no that idea. this That's person true. has been suffering 
and then you yeah. then you and then some of sometimes you know the the actions the fact that they don't want to have they don't want to eat because obviously the appetite's affected yeah, sleep is yeah. affected their productivity is affected they may be irritable and angry and very short and quick with their temper yeah all of that yeah. will be seen as you know those teenage hormones or kibberba yeah. you know yeah, this person's yeah. acting up or mm-hmm. you know a lot of these kids on the streets who are sometimes unfortunately using drugs to self-medicate to relieve yeah. them of this distress or using alcohol or using mm-hmm. the company of really bad friends to give them that temporary relief and temporary high yeah, it's all yeah. a cry out for help and mm-hmm. unfortunately unless That's we true. understand and can read that we mm-hmm. are unable to help them and access the services the way they really should Mm-hmm. that's very true actually even just like picking up on um, the point you even said in terms of like the child like bottling it up and you know the parents just not being aware um do you like because sometimes when I think about like you know in terms of the child you usually think it comes back to the child's upbringing because in terms of the child not wanting to reach out for help or you know go to the doctors go to the gp do you think it's like in terms of i know that i can speak for the somali community i mean i can't speak for all the other communities like i do see like in terms of growing up you know your parents would be like oh you know it's ebb like don't you know don't go around telling everyone your business you know people can use it against you and so forth so then that itself kind of creates a barrier between you and like um going to therapy or like getting counseling um rather than actually you know having it kind of all comes back to like the parents like you said because it's like you know mm-hmm. if the parents had been a bit more educated to you know identify mental health or you know there was some sort of like workshops available for them to understand the symptoms of mental health or even self-educate themselves then mm-hmm. you know maybe you know their child or their grandchild would be able to you know access the service you know more smoothly and you know have that support needed in ter- in you know in order for them to actually like improve and you know get you know fulfill their full potential um rather Mm -hmm. than necessarily like waiting until it gets really bad and you know they have to obviously you know use different forms of you know like you said like you know maybe bad company or like self you know drugs or whatnot to sort of give them that temporary um high feeling yeah so i think the fundamental of any child's upbringing is 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 the Mm -hmm. the family unit isn't it it's the parents yeah yeah which is why our dean places such emphasis and importance of educating mothers, don't they? Mm-hmm. In every yeah, aspect, yeah. in terms of the physical health of the child, the mental health of the child, mm-hmm. the stability of the home, the, 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 you know, the Islamic upbringing of the home, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, every, every sense of balance is really important that both parents are of that mindset and, uh, and have that know-how and those whereabouts, because unfortunately that is a huge factor in, in holding um, Mm. children back from their potential in many ways not just in mental health however yeah, yeah, yeah. saying that i think the wider society and the wider community also plays a role not mm. as strongly as the parents role but it definitely plays a role because when you think about it there's a lot of things that us first generation somali children do that our parents never did or never thought of yeah and the reason yeah. we do them is because this mm. the wider society that we've immersed ourselves in has given us new overpowering forces that we want to join because yeah. we see mm. a benefits in it for example we want to access higher education in a way our mothers didn't or we want Mm. to be able to set up businesses and have financial freedom or travel Mm. in a way our mothers never for example right yeah yeah so there's still a lot of things that somali children do Mm. or somali young adults do that our parents never thought or never dreamt of before yeah yeah so the wider society is a key element not as much as the parents like i mentioned but it's definitely key and which is why i think it's important to mm-hmm. if you if you want to make a difference in something as profound as mental health it has to be done at a grassroots community level 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, one thing in particular that I find is a double-edged sword within the Somali community, I can definitely say, because it's something I've seen doing my workshops with mental health, Yeah, yeah. is that they have this herd community, which is a good and bad thing. It's yeah. bad in the sense that, um, you know, a Somali mother oftentimes will have her source of information from another like-minded Somali mother through mm-hmm. WhatsApp or through the other mediums. So yeah. she will say, you know, Hiblay or Hebel said, said so, so it must be true. Mm. Or if they find mm. a lot of their friends within their circle are doing the same thing, then it must be good or it must be something desirable. Yeah, but at the same true. time, it's, it's good in the sense that if you are able to change the, the majority of their thinking mm. for the greater good, yeah. then you will find a few other mothers who are more resistant mm. will also join in. And a classic example of that is FGM. So oh, as you've yeah, seen over good. time, yeah. Yeah. as you've seen over time, there's still a lot of mothers at that time, or mm. up to the very day, I'm sure, yeah, who still yeah, believe yeah. FGM is a crucial part of a girl's womanhood. Yeah. And yeah. of course, when mothers when mothers um, make sure that their girls undergo these sorts of barbaric procedures, they yeah. don't think it's barbaric. They think they're improving the marriage prospects of their child. So everything comes from a place mm. of love yeah, and wanting yeah. better from the child. But it is, but it obviously comes with poor understanding, right? Yeah. yeah so I don't yeah. doubt the intentions of our mothers. Mm, because mm. that's how they grew up and they want the best for us and they believe that is the best mm. for us. But yeah, saying yeah. that, a lot of mothers who still yeah. have this belief, and I still know some of them, yeah, yeah, who still have this belief within them that a child, a girl should still undergo FGM, will, will not do it because now it's considered a taboo. The taboo is now yeah. to get your child to undergo FGM. Whereas back in the day, the taboo was your girl is the only one in the village who hasn't undergone FGM. Yeah. Now yeah. the taboo is the complete mm. opposite. So even though this mother mm. may have wanted her child to undergo FGM, the yeah. taboo or the herd in the herd uh, mentality is more overpowering. So she's thinking, I don't want to embarrass myself or mm. fall out of grace with the rest of the community. So I'm not going to do it simply yeah. because none of the other women are doing it with their girls. So that herd yeah. mentality is actually mm. a double-edged sword. It's very useful in mental health yeah, and very definitely. useful in any sorts of health promotion. Because if true. you can get a majority of the mothers and the fathers, actually, for that matter, On to believe side. in something because you've been able to engage them in a way that speaks to their inner conscience, then mm-hmm. you will find that this will pass around like wildfire. And once that becomes the norm and ingrained in their mentality, then that becomes the norm. And that, yeah. I think, is a powerful way of engaging the older generation with this. Yeah. And I think, I, to be honest with you, I guess the same also works for the youth. A yeah, lot of it definitely. is peer pressure. It's, it's yeah, just called peer yeah. pressure in, in the youth, mm. isn't it? It's not called peer yeah. pressure in the adults. I yeah, think it's the yeah. same in some aspects. Because they get pressure. I think with peer pressure, so that it's like... So yeah, understanding needs yeah. to be there for, for our community to uptake it more. So the reason a lot of the Caucasian patients uptake it is because yeah. it's been normalized in their families. Mm, okay, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so going back to what you were saying in terms of the, your, the Caucasian patients, in terms of it being normalized, is that right? Yes, mental health is such a normalized agenda. Mm-hmm. If anything, uh, they, they discuss it out more freely because they immediately garner support from yeah, the, yeah. their wider community rather than stigma mm-hmm. and shame. Mm-hmm. So if somebody okay. says that I'm suffering through depression, suddenly all her girlfriends will be around her, all yeah. the, you know, her family members will be around her and everybody will be looking for ways to make her feel better, make sure she uh, you know, seeks access for help or therapy. Mm-hmm. And tries to make her feel normal about it and understands that, oh, yes, I've shared. And they, they're very good at sharing that yeah. I've been through this. And they talk mm-hmm. about it more openly. So you don't feel like you're the only odd one who's going through this. Because yeah. depression and anxiety and mental health illnesses mm-hmm. in general is a very isolating phenomenon. 
yeah, oftentimes definitely. you will believe or you think that you are the only one going through this and yeah. that it must be just you who's overthinking things mm-hmm. and it's bad enough you're suffering with whatever thoughts and feelings you're going through but you also are isolating yourself mm-hmm. because you believe that nobody else goes through this because nobody else wants to talk about it yeah no that's nobody, very nobody true. else really talks about it. probably yeah. your mother her mother your aunties mm-hmm. your sisters yeah. your in-laws everybody's gone through it but because nobody talks about it you think it's You're the a only phenomenon one. unique to you and therefore mm. you don't want to be seen as the odd one out as humans yeah. we have this intrinsic need to feel like we belong to yeah. something that is speaking to us and is really you know being able to relate to us yeah and that is where it is the main problem i think in our community mm. yeah that's very true because even like the whole sharing aspect and having it as an open topic that would obviously allow people to like share their burdens with like their loved ones or their close ones so they can mm-hmm. obviously start to feel better about themselves but because we don't have that like in some communities they don't actually have that and you're not you can't be as open as you'd like to be with your family members in terms of your mental health or what you're going through and um, because you feel like they won't understand you or they may judge you or you know they may attach a stigma or label towards you um it then just obviously creates another barrier because it's like you you usually naturally like as humans or you know um just as humans like in terms of like our families we tend to want to be quite close to them want to be able to share like our happiness and our sadness with them as well so then Mm -hmm. just being able to just having to like bottle all of that up and you know not share your emotions or how you're really feeling um can obviously take a big um, can take a big weight on a person and an individual um so like how would you like in terms of obviously like breaking that barrier like do you think that obviously all comes back to you know self-educating or like how would someone go naturally about just breaking that stigma of their family should they just go ahead and like share their story um you know or like what would you in terms of that like what would you recommend if you come from a family where you feel like you can't be um as open as you'd want to be in terms of mental health it's difficult to ask somebody who's going through any sort of mental health illness um Mm, to to just do that or just do this because Mm, you know even myself speaking to you now when I am depressed and I have been depressed in the past and I've actually spoken about it yeah yeah. when I'm depressed or anxious I may not sometimes follow my own advice the important thing to Mm. remember is that it depends on the severity of the illness and part and parcel Mm. of severe mental health illnesses you tend to lose perspective Mm, that's true so if you're severely depressed you believe there's no light at the end of the tunnel that your life is not worth living. You have no concept of your future being brighter or a future even because you're not even in that mental space to build castles in the air and dreams and ambitions that we all do on a daily basis that keeps us going. Yeah, yeah. You don't believe that there's an out to this, which is why suicide rate can be high at mm. the severe end of the spectrum because nobody who believes that their life is going to continue this way wants to continue living this way, right? Yeah, it's because they don't see light at the end of the tunnel. So sometimes they are their own worst enemies and naturally so, again, if you lose perspective and you don't Mm. feel that there's a way out, Mm. then the last thing you want to do is reopen the wounds and share it with somebody who Mm. you already believe is not going to be able to help you or Mm. take medications that you already believe is not going to make a difference Mm. or even go to your doctor or your family member because you just think that you may be burdening your loved one Mm. with a problem that they can't fix because you don't believe it can be fixed. So it's difficult mm. to tell somebody who's yeah. actually undergoing yeah. through it what to do. Mm. My advice would be to, it's very important, I think, to educate ourselves early yeah. on. And, I, and the problem is yeah, yeah. a lot of people see mental health in the illness as somebody else's problem. But that is mm. until it happens to them. 
Yeah, it's very important to understand it. I think it's one of those things I believe that should be taught in schools. It's yeah. as basic as being taught in schools because if mm. if you're able to explain to a child about mm. mental health illness, what constitutes a mental health illness, how to be able to recognize some basic, I mean, just the most basic of signs in themselves, yeah, and therefore yeah. what you should do about them, that mm. is what's going to kick in when they actually find themselves in that situation. Mm. And the other thing is, True. you don't want to wait to be at a position where the person is really, really unwell mm. in their mental health to the yeah. point where they're at that severe in the spectrum. Usually it started very many months or years ago mm. and it started bit by bit and, and has crept up to that level. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, and by normalizing talks of mental health, mm. by encouraging these kind of conversations across dinner tables, yeah. by encouraging these kind of conversations in the mosques, in the schools, in community yeah. centers, yeah. In, on TV shows, on podcasts, on platforms, on social media, by normalizing these kind of things, yeah. you would hope to be able to create more environments for young people to be able to open up to their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters, their best friends, their teachers, yeah. Yeah, their mosque teachers, true. whoever, about such problems early on yeah, when something yeah. can be done about it much far easier yeah, than but, at, the, yeah. at the point where they've bottled it up for years and now they're at the point of explosion. Mm, no, it's very true it's very true because it it also almost sort of like shows especially when the person's boils it up it you know it tends to explode and fizzle out and then obviously the family's then now left in shock and you know not not being aware of what the individual was mm-hmm. going you know what was happening you know on un, like under their household they just wasn't aware that the person was feeling the way they're feeling because the person just going about their day-to-day activities whilst you know feeling severely depressed and not being able to be as productive as possible and and whatnot um and it is really important because even just like following that up in terms of my experience with like therapy and reaching out to like um you know even myself i, I went under goo um i went i went i went on sorry i don't know why i'm <laughs> um, i don't know why um i'm stuttering um sorry um i even myself went under underwent um therapy but like alhamdulillah like i had like a really like supportive parents that were even sort of like pushing me towards you know getting therapy and getting help and you know getting it sorted and obviously I got it sorted on very early on um, which I'm really grateful for um, but like obviously I know everyone's not got that same sort of like opportunity or may not you know, have that same sort of like you know understanding um, from their parents mm-hmm. or um, whatnot so for them it's like a lot more difficult to like re- want to reach out for help because they kind of feel like they'll naturally be pushed away from it um, so even just like thinking about my own experience and just hearing about other people's experience sort of like inspired me to want to do something about mental health because I've realized that Mm -hmm. it's such it is a massive problem and although like um I'm not I might not I might not be going through it directly it's still like I still see it around me you know I still see it from relatives I still see it from friends I still see it from you know people who have such a stigma towards therapy or like getting help Mm. um, when it's needed um so like in terms of that like I just sort of wanted to get like more of an idea of like you know in terms of like podcasts and you know workshops like how can we like even just encouraging this conversation I know it really helps but like how can we slowly start breaking the barrier that you know even a lot of people in this generation have just as much as the past generations in terms of like seeking help like why is there such a negative stigma to like seeking help like you know I understand maybe the lack of understanding mental health but why do people not choose to get help when they when when it's available especially um you know in the country that we're in today 
No, 100%. Um, and it's a very important question that you asked today, and I'm glad you do. We need more people like yourself to really want to take on this mantle and keep lighting that torch and keep bringing issues like this to the forefront because yeah. sometimes you see it comes in fashion, out of fashion, in fashion, out of fashion. Yeah. Nevertheless, when however little or however big the spotlight, it's always welcome and it's always necessary. So yeah. that's, first of all, you're doing a great service to a lot of young people and people who are listening across all ages, mashallah. Thank because it's you. these kind of conversations from regular everyday folk that is required. You don't just yeah. want some celebrity on TV who exploded to be mm. your example. Because oftentimes yeah. you already feel like you cannot relate to them and then you cannot relate to the services and the money they have and then you cannot relate to the sort of support mm. they have. So yeah, yeah. normalizing it through yeah. everyday conversations is so, so important. Yeah. Coming back to the points that you mentioned about parents. Yeah. And parents are obviously the first and the most important influence in any person, young person's life who's been yeah. raised by their parents, of course. Yeah. It is. But nevertheless, even if your parents are of the belief that you shouldn't talk about depression and anxiety because because they believe that it may be to your de detriment that's what, uh, at the mm. end of the day i always believe their intentions are to protect you yeah even yeah. though it's yeah. a little bit misplaced and it's wrong mm. the intention mm. is always good but saying that they're humans and they can err so even yeah. if your parents don't want you to open up about it because they feel that you know you're going to have a stigma attached to it and the community will unfortunately misjudge you or judge you harshly as a yeah. result yeah. then it's not just your parents. If you are part of an environment outside of the home, for example, your college has a very big mental health or anti-bullying mm. or yeah. you know, supportive sort of environments and, and has student centers or student unions that are very much catered towards that, you'll find yeah. yourself dropping, in, dropping into one of their workshops or events or, mm. or speaking to somebody. So there's that one outlet. If you're yeah. part of a mosque or Malamad where you where they, they, you know, they talk about this on a regular basis or they, or they have made you aware that this is something mm. that they very much encourage for you to open up, you will open up. If yeah. you're part of a, um, a group of friends who have previously shared some of their issues, you'll automatically find yourself opening up to those friends. And hopefully they'll be able to influence you in a positive way to say, I've been through that as well. I've, mm. so, I've sought out therapy. I've sought out these mm. um, services and I've got better. And you will automatically encourage you to do that. Just the same way, we forge our own future and our own path the minute we step out of the house. You know, yeah. Because our parents, God bless them, have tried their best, have done everything yeah. for us, but there's a yeah. lot we need to find our feet in in this world. And mental health yeah. can be one of those things. Yeah, definitely. But you're right. When somebody's at the severe end or at mm -hmm. a significant part or spectrum of the, of the illness, mm -hmm. then obviously you want the people within the home because they tend to confine themselves within the home. Yeah. You want the people within the home to be able to be the first support system because oftentimes, mm. if you're really depressed, you don't even want to leave the house. Yeah, you don't want to meet up with friends. That's you don't want to go to college or work or whatever else. Yeah. So yeah. you will you will hope and pray that somebody within the house or a few people within the house will have the know-how or the awareness that this actually may be a mental health problem and not them just acting out or acting silly or, mm. you know, this or the other, whatever other excuses we come up with. Yeah, yeah. Because That's this is true. completely out of their norm and out of their character. So mm. if it's not the parents, then maybe your older siblings or maybe an aunt who came to visit you or a cousin who came to visit you or you'd hope mm. somebody within the home. So of course, parents are the primary source, yeah, but they're not yeah. the only source, which is why the community at a level mm. needs to be made aware Definitely. across all levels, including older people and younger mm. people. And sometimes I wish we could have had platforms or spaces where intergenerational dialogues could happen. Mm, that's where young people true. can understand, you know, where young people can understand the mental health challenges 
and the yeah. cause and the root cause of the challenges of the older generation because they have their own set of problems and trauma that from, they went through you know, yeah. that they went through or and some of them may not even be because of civil war some of them may be the trauma of settling into a new country mm. or the trauma of being through you know trying to navigate this system in some yeah. form or the other as well as you know the older people really having an open heart and ears mm. listening in to the issues of these young people because oftentimes yeah. their parents dismiss younger people's problems as I don't know why you're t- as you know I don't know why you're complaining about this when I was your age I had yeah. to deal with lions and yeah. mountains and armies and all yeah. sorts of fantastic stuff right yeah whereas you're just talking about an exam I don't know why you're complaining about it you know that is the most unhelpful unhealthy and actually detrimental thing somebody can do is compare your experience to somebody else your experience yeah. needs to be acknowledged accepted mm-hmm. for what it is and its impact on you and you need Definitely. to be it needs to be given the respect and you need to be given the respect you deserve Definitely. and allowed to seek the help and the environment for that so i yeah. think as a, one of the many ways there's tons of ways to do it yeah podcast is great because as you know a lot of our content nowadays is being consumed via podcasts and youtube yeah. and social media i think the three yeah. biggest platforms are those three right now right so yeah that's constant true. this com- entire platforms on instagram and facebook and places dedicated to mental health alhamdulillah for that yeah they're a wonderful resource Definitely. and obviously podcasts like yourself yeah. people like yourself as well up and coming therapists and and you know counselors and mental yeah. health experts there's yeah. honestly a breath of fresh air because nine times mm. out of ten yeah you yeah. see somebody who doesn't look like you doesn't look like they've grown up in the same environment as you and the last thing you want yeah. to do is yeah. tell somebody who you think is an arrogant so-and-so yeah that this is the problem you've had in the hood yeah yeah definitely like even that itself like you've been mentioning that is even one of the biggest reasons um, I think why I chose the degree I chose was because like not just only mm-hmm. through my own personal experiences but like even when I did take the step and I went to the GP and the GP recommended me um, to you know like the counselling services that the NHS offered um, you know the first counsellor I got like didn't did look nothing like me you know didn't have the same experience as me you know whatsoever um, and kind of struggled to sort of understand like what what I was trying to say um I could even Mm. see you know some of the sessions I was having it was just almost like um I just sat there and I was talking and I know that's the whole point of you know cognitive behavioral therapy is for me to talk and for you to tell me about like why you know my thoughts and why I should you know helping me change the way I think um but I just didn't almost because I didn't have that you know that relation like I didn't relate to the therapist I almost just felt like you know I wasn't getting any benefit of it until I went to like a color therapist or someone that looked a bit more like me and had the same experiences as me similar experiences to me or you know even maybe grew in the same surroundings as me like had parents that obviously immigrated to the UK and like sort of underwent the same challenges I did um Mm -hmm. having like you know like a color therapist someone that like you said like looked like me really helped me and I feel like Mm -hmm that's what really pushed me into like mental health and like wanting to help others because I just felt like there was a lack of people who kind of like looked like us or spoke like us or you know even had the same challenges as us and it's almost like that itself that in itself may have been a barrier for people even wanting to seek therapy because it was very hard for me to even get access to that color therapist you know I had to Mm. look online I had to research like it was very difficult um and I feel like that's that itself was almost like a barrier for people like me like wanting to reach out and get help because it's like even when I make that step it's like 
you know the, will the person I get understand where I'm coming from and I think that's where you know a lot of young people like myself um, may tend to not want to go to therapy because of the fact that they may just be given someone that doesn't understand them or doesn't you know value their experience sort of understand like where they're coming from um in some mm-hmm. so yeah I definitely found that like a big barrier which obviously sort of made me realize that you know in mental health we need more people like we need you know more muslims we need more colored people we need we need more people on the fo- like on the forefront of mental health so that we are able 100%. to start bring breaking these stigmas like you said like in terms of going back to the community if i think about my experience even in like islamic school like growing up um you, mm-hmm. there was never a conversation about mental health like you know and alhamdulillah obviously you went there for the dean you know we got that but you know you never learn about mental health you never like learn about like you know the dean says about mental health like you didn't learn any of that so it was almost like you know that was like your primary sort of like community when you was first growing up to about probably the Mm. age of 16 right and then obviously when you left at age 16 you know you was going into college and even in college like I think you know maybe it depends what you study but even in college there was no sense of like mental health awareness or you know just you know like mental health even mental health support like you didn't really know who you'd go to or like who you could go see um so it's just like that lack of awareness even growing up or like communities or people not talking about it you almost felt like you know even when I was going through I was going through I was like oh like I'm just you know being like you said like overreactive like don't know why I'm thinking about I'm thinking this way I don't know why I'm feeling this way like I always almost used to always question myself and always say like you know it's got to do with me rather than accepting you know what this is normal this is fine like I you know people go through phases like this I just need to go seek out help in order for me to get better uh, in order for me to improve so just like giving those people like the space to talk about it I feel like it's so important because you know Mm -hmm. if I didn't reach out for help if I didn't have you know that safe space to talk about it to my mum then you know maybe I may have been in a complete you know different you know situation or circumstance so I feel like having that safe space and you know ingraining it in our primary communities is so important to sort of like break the stigma and just allow people to sort of express how they're feeling like freely. 100% I think the fact that you've actually had lived experiences Mm. of um, mental health problems and can actually think back and reflect on what those experiences meant for you and felt like for you and, and the different processes and how they worked for you. You're able to really and truly evaluate it from an honest and inward perspective, Yeah, which is why I believe you, you'll make a great therapist, inshallah. Thank you, inshallah. Inshallah, because you'll be able to bring it from a personal perspective. And, you know, the, 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 you, you mentioned a key point here. Yeah. I think we, we talk a lot about how as uh, BAME or specifically Somali communities, yeah. we don't really access the help we need. We don't access the services that are available. Yeah. Now, I'd like to, us to take a step back and think about the fact that not a lot of us even realize that we're going through a mental health problem mm. or even acknowledge or understand that this is what a mental health illness looks like. And I'll give you a primary example of that. And that was me. When I was 18, I went through yeah. a phase of what I would call moderate to severe depression. Now, looking back. Yeah. Um, and I knew it, w- it was obviously something quite deep and profound because of the way I felt. Mm. I, I, haven't, I wouldn't sleep for days on end or weeks on end. Mm. Um, I wouldn't eat. I lost a lot of weight. I didn't engage with anybody. And I used to be known in the whole community to be as one of the most social people out there. 
yeah. And I avoided eye contact. I avoided even coming downstairs to the kitchen to join mm. in the family meals, let alone leaving the house. Mm. And I completely withdrew from everybody and everything I loved, including things I would enjoy. But mm. I didn't realize at that point that, that I was going through depression. Mm. I thought it was a natural reaction to the situation and the circumstances I found myself in at the time. And at the time I was going mm. through quite a lot of things that I, mm. I, I struggled with. Mm. But of course, with everything in life, um, the struggles are what tips some people into mental health illness. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to make clear to your listeners is, um, you know, not everything is a mental health illness as such. And mental health in itself is not a problem. Mental health is something you have, mm. whether it's ill health or good health. Is, 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 is the two separate denominations. Mental health, just like physical health, is something we all need to preserve. Yeah. And the important thing to remember is that it is our everyday um, experiences and interactions and challenges, whether it be job interviews or seeking out university opportunities or yeah. relationship problems or financial stress or yeah. whatever it is. It is those things that can tip people into mental health illness. But not everything you experience that's negative is a mental health illness. Because, for example, being angry at something is a natural human response yeah. to, for example, some of the injustices that are going on in the world. It doesn't mean you're mentally unwell. Yeah, yeah. For example, being stressed out about the fact that you've got a job interview tomorrow or you've got a dissertation that, you've, that you're about to hit the deadline but you barely started is mm. not necessarily mental un- you know, being mentally unwell. You know, being anxious about uh, moving abroad or whatever, even if it's severe anxiety. But, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean yeah, yeah. Or being sad about the loss of somebody or a bro- broken up relationship or yeah. anything like that. doesn't necessarily mean you're mentally unwell. Yeah, Mental yeah. illness is defined as a set of emotions, thoughts, and feelings mm. that make, your, make it um, unviable for you to carry on with day-to-day functioning. It's only when it affects your day-to-day function. Yeah, and you're, you're not really able to sleep anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're not able to eat much anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not able to carry out the work you used to do anymore. Yeah. You're not able to study the way you used to anymore. You're not able to interact socially the way you used to anymore. When yeah. it has such a profound impact on your day-to-day living activities mm-hmm. is when we call it a mental illness. You know, being stressed a couple of days because you're about to go for a medical school interview is not it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. So people need to understand that don't label, don't, don't rush into labeling everything. And I'm very conscious about, especially mm. in the medical world, I think a lot of people come to see GPs to be labeled, which is a sad thing. Like mm-hmm. you want to be told when you're coughing that you have a chest infection so that you can have an antibiotic. Or you want to be told mm. that your yeah. dizziness is because of low blood pressure because you have to be labeled with something to feel better about yourself. Yeah. But not everything requires a label. Sometimes it's a natural response to your day-to-day circumstance or situation but it's only when it's for a prolonged period of time it impairs your ability to Mm. function like you normally did is when we consider mental illness and at that point it's obviously detrimental to also your physical health Mm. so that's when something definitely needs to be done about it yeah and 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 for me i didn't even recognize so i never sought out my gp yeah i never told my parents and i didn't live with my parents at the time so Mm. they had no idea that i was going through that and whenever i spoke to them on the phone i would fake my usual yeah. you know upbeat yeah. self because yeah. one thing I was conscious of always as a child is making sure my parents never worry about me yeah so I even when I had financial issues or when I went through my mental health issues I would make sure I don't tell them because I that was my way of protecting mm. them from worry because I believed they don't live with me so mm. why am I troubling them with something that they can do very little about yeah and I knew they'd worry so I kept a lot mm. of things from them but I didn't 
but the point of the matter is I didn't recognize that I was actually depressed. And you know what I realized when I was in medical school five years later? Wow. That I was actually yeah. depressed five years ago. Wow. So yeah, it's acknowledging that is a very important thing. And alhamdulillah, yeah. mm-hmm. although my aunt who I lived with at that time yeah. may not have had the know-how, yeah. and it's, she's, she's from the old school generation as well, Mm. And she didn't, she probably didn't, re- she obviously didn't know about therapy sessions and the fact that you should go to your GP and stuff like that. Mm. But she, she used the, the beauty of our deen to help me, to oh, be honest. And, and it's a shame when you said, you know, the Islamic yeah. terbiyah has a lot of very important life lessons for us, including how to deal with mental illness in the most beautiful yeah. and profound of ways. And unfortunately, yeah. people use, you know, th- weaponize things like lack of iman and, and you know, mm. the deen against you. But it actually isn't the case. A yeah. lot of, people seek refuge in our deen and I was one of those people it is when I started going to the mosque more frequently and mm. joining halaqa class more frequently that yeah. I found the peace within myself that I was lacking for that time yeah. do you see what I mean whereas my aunt yeah. would help me and I remember and I will never forget the day she was leaving the day for Hajj, and she said to me you know yeah. I, I don't understand and I don't know what is troubling you because I, I refused to open up to anybody I didn't believe yeah. anybody could help Mm. so yeah. she, she would say she said to me I don't know what's what you're going through and I don't understand what's troubling you but I can see you're troubled mm. but I will make sincere dua for you and I'm at the Kaaba so that Allah may take away that burden that you have in your heart and will ease all your affairs and give you with what and replace it with what you will make you happy and joyous mm. and I remember that sincere dua hit me at a point where I felt at my lowest and actually hit me deep to my very core as one of the most sincere and beautiful gestures anybody's ever done for me at that time. So that helped Mm -hmm. profoundly because I had that strong faith that only Mm -hmm. Allah can pull me through. When somebody said to me that at Kaaba, I'm going to make that sincere dua for you while they're doing Hajj, I suddenly found the light at the end of the tunnel that I was missing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, definitely. definitely. So it's very important that even if you're not an expert, you do not have to be an expert in mental health. Mm. You just have to be a human being who is aware of your surroundings, aware of your loved ones, and be able to have the courage to open up and talk to them about things. Mm. If you find that your sister or your brother is not acting like their usual self, Mm. sit them down in a non-judgmental approach and tell them that I can see that something has shifted within you. Would you like to talk about it? I'm here to help. I'm not here to judge. I'd Mm. love to see you happy. I want the best for you. You know, Mm. they have to believe that you are you want the best for them yeah and and speak about it and allow them they may not open up to you day one or day two or day three but eventually they will will, and you need to have that patience and be able to provide that space non-judgmental place and not start comparing and saying but when i was your age definitely you know there are some things we don't know that is hurtful but it is hurtful so you have to be aware of that because that's how everything begins yeah definitely definitely like like you even said like being very conscious of your words because I feel like especially like if you already know someone's going through like a difficult moment in their life or like a challenging moment you don't want to say the wrong words you know like oh like you know why like you know for example because some family members they can get really frustrated if they come to you and they're like oh what's wrong and you're like oh I don't want to speak about it I can get quite frustrated and they're like oh why don't you want to speak about it like you know and I feel like it's really important like you said just to come you know really subtle in a non-judgmental way and just even you just making them aware yeah be patient and even if though even you just making them aware like you know hi I'm here for you like you know my door's always open for you to come in like Mm -hmm. eventually they will come in but it's like you need to just give them that space and that time to 
for them to find their feet and actually want to tell you what's wrong you know rather than you know attacking them and you know making them feel like oh what they're worried about is nothing anyways or just making them feel feel even more low about themselves I feel like it's you have to really go in as, with a su- subtle approach like you said in terms of anyone or absolutely you no know, struggling with mental health I think is really important I think a lot of us sometimes feel inadequate and we think oh my god my, my loved one is going through something I need to get professional support no it starts mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. nine times out of ten they don't want to speak to a complete stranger mm-hmm. and if they're able to open up to you and you're able to use that to be able to get them to the next level bit by bit which is the yeah. therapist the gp so on and so forth yeah and then you'll be doing them a great deal and again you, you know we, we are oftentimes trying to tiptoe around them um, on eggshells and mm. that is not very useful and you're just worried that this person is a ticking time bomb don't treat them like a ticking time bomb they're not going to yeah. explode in your face and if they did explode yeah. it was all that pent-up emotions that they needed to release it was not, never about you yeah so it's important to understand that you don't have to be a mental health expert you just have to be somebody who's there for people with patience and non-judgmental approach that's all you need to do yeah give them the time and the space and Mm. give them permission yeah to open up to you that's all you need to do and and allow the things to unfold the way they do but of course some things obviously have a sense of urgency such Mm. as somebody who expresses suicidal tendencies oh yeah yeah. somebody who expresses um a desire to harm somebody else mm. and of course that is very time sensitive and you definitely need to take this higher yeah, even if yeah, it's against yeah. the wishes of the person because you need to protect them mm. and society at large but yeah. other than that mm. give them the time and the space definitely i think giving them the time and the space is really important um just mm-hmm. obviously like allowing them to you know find like even just for them to find the words to what to say because i feel like you know especially when you're going through a mental health problem it's you don't even understand it yourself so then having to you know explain it to someone else mm-hmm. can be really like difficult because you don't even have the words yourself to even explain what's going on in your mind right um so yeah, yeah so it's just it is really difficult and obviously i can imagine like you know the the overwhelming like pressure you must feel to you want to tell obviously you'd want to tell your loved ones um you know if you feel like they're supportive as well but it's just like how do you tell them because it's like you don't even know like where to start you know um so I feel like like you said like having that patience and you know waiting for them to open up is really important um Uh and yeah like thank you obviously for like all your tips do you have like any other like in terms of like well-being tips do you have any tips that you would like recommend to like um a person just for them to look after and like preserve their mental health for them like not to like sort of Uh you know and you know to end up on the you know the end of the iceberg and um you know crying out for help like how do they preserve their mental health like you know what small tips can you give for like an individual to sort of like preserve their mental health and um you know yeah you know just really like looking after basically the tips that they can look after their well-being 100 percent, 100 percent. so i think yeah that that is another key point don't wait till you're at the end of your wits end or tether it's very important to carry out something i personally call emotional housekeeping yeah. So we're all going to be thrown challenges and curveballs in life. We're all going to go through very stressful situations, very upsetting situations, very anxiety-inducing and stress-inducing situations. And they're all going to come at different levels. Like a lot of people, particularly during this, this COVID pandemic, had not seen a lot of the things that they're now going through coming their way. Yeah. And sometimes it hits you out of the blue, unawares, and knocks you for six, right? 
yeah and yeah. you cannot control that's why a lot of things are qadr allah and divine yeah. destiny definitely. and a huge part of of what helps me personally is my faith yeah my faith in the sense that i believe that whatever befalls you yeah um was going to come your way but it's always a test and that you will be seen through the other way no no test no soul shall be tested more than they can bear mm-hmm. so that's one thing but when i when i say emotional housekeeping what i physic what i actually practically mean Mm. is being somebody who takes the time to be aware of what you're feeling. Now, I don't mean every second of the day because that will actually be very tiring. Yeah. But I mean, for example, if you've just gone through a breakup yeah, or you've just been made redundant yeah, or you've just lost a major contract of whatever sort, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, of course you're going to go through your field. Allow yourself to feel what you need to feel. And, yeah. and the last thing you want to do is add salt to the wounds by beating yourself up over feeling that way. Yeah. And I see a lot of people do that. And to be honest with you, I used to do that a lot before, but now I've given, my, given myself a lot of slack. Yeah. So yeah, and you're already feeling bad enough that this relationship broke up. Then yeah. you're going to beat yourself up over feeling upset and that you should get it all together. Like yeah. that should never be the way. Allow yourself to feel mm. what you need to feel. Definitely. For a set period of time, that should not be indefinite. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah. And then what you need to do is choose whatever method works for you. For some people, that is journaling. You need to process that information, right? You need to process those emotions. Yeah. Definitely. So choose whatever method works for you because you need to process it. You need to understand and learn from it or yeah. implement what you need to change in place. Yeah. And then you need to box it up and move on. So I don't believe in ignoring it because mm. and like an ostrich sticking your head in the sand is not going to get rid yeah. of the problem it's only going to fester and come back bigger and worse yeah definitely but at the same time i don't be- believe in dwelling in the problem forever mm. so you need to allow yourself to feel those human emotions so yes we all know it's qadr allah but i'm still going to be upset yeah yes we all know that it's going to happen and i'm you know this and hopefully things will improve but i'm still going to be upset allow yourself to feel those feelings right yeah yeah definitely. and then you need to process those emotions in a healthy way in a way that you you'll be able to understand why it happened, how it happened, and what you can do differently or what can be done to remedy it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So whether that's journaling, yeah. Whether that's therapy. Yeah. Depends on how bad or what the situation is. Yeah. Whether that's just, you know, bringing together your dear nearest and dearest and just going away maybe for a spa weekend, whatever you want, or just yeah. even meeting up over coffee and just saying, guys, this is what I've been going through. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody else will be able to give you an objective perspective. Yeah. In a way that maybe you haven't even realized. And I love doing that personally. I bring together people and say, this is a problem going through. And then suddenly people are throwing a brainstorming with you thoughts and ideas that you never considered yourself. And then yeah. you find yourself feeling better and better and better and more optimistic about fighting this and finding a solution. And suddenly yeah. you feel, right, I'm ready to face the world again. Like everybody's yeah. different, right? Yeah, yeah, that's different. Or it's just a quiet weekend or day of meditating and prayer. Yeah, that's even, yeah. Some people that works the best. Mm, yeah. um, or for somebody else, it could just be a long holiday somewhere to forget about it and then come back with a clear mind and then start working on it. And mm-hmm. give yourself the time. Whatever yeah. it is, mm. do whatever you need to do to get that emotional housekeeping done. But you need to do that emotional housekeeping, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's with general, general challenges of life, depending yeah. on how bad it is, okay? Yeah. If you find yourself in a situation, however, where it's overwhelming for you. Yeah. Like your meditation is useless because all you're thinking about is negative thoughts. Mm, yeah, you can't, you can't restrain your mind to think and be in meditative mode mm. because whatever you're feeling is too overwhelming for your mind not to just think negatively, which is what severe depression is and severe anxiety is, right? Yeah, yeah. You're no longer being 
you're not you're no longer able to be objective with yourself yeah you're just too lost in your feelings at that point you need to have a third party in you need to have that help yeah so if you don't feel like your family or your friends could be that help yeah. and they are of help only to a limited degree of course but they yeah. are of some help yeah and you need to get in professional help yeah that's very true. right yeah so some people believe in regular therapy and i've got some of my best friends who do regular therapy and there's absolutely nothing wrong with them when you speak yeah. to them, but yeah it's their method of emotional housekeeping because they are dealing with some things that they know will overwhelm them if they don't keep them at check on. Yeah, definitely, yeah. They're and just, it's not, it doesn't have to be a lifelong thing. It's just te- teaching you tips and strategies on how to deal with it when it next comes along. Yeah, so just, yeah, just sort of like, a, you know, just note-taking, just being able to, like, be aware, like, okay, if this happens, this is what I need to do. Just Yeah. Yeah, it's just a way of, I guess, every, like you said, like, everyone's different. Everyone has a different coping strategy um, in terms of mm-hmm. managing the emotional well-being. So you know like everyone's different and I guess it's just about finding what's right for you so yeah 100% but but another key point that people keep forgetting is yeah there's no physical health without that mental health and there's no such thing as mental health without physical health mm, that's very hand in hand. you cannot mm. be a bright well-adjusted purposeful happy human being if yeah. you've got terminal okay you could be if you're that type of but if you've got for example some sort of terminal illness yeah or it depends on how strong your faith is but most people they won't be right yeah um, and you will not you will not be somebody who's got perfect physical health yeah when you've got a profound mental health issue because mm. mental health problems do manifest in physical symptoms they rob you of yeah. your sleep your yeah. appetite your mm. ability to function and exercise your ability yeah. so of course eventually that will take a toll on your mental health so they're both mm. very much linked and hand in hand mm. so Another key tip, another massively key tip is now look after your physical health. Starting now. You don't have to start mm. looking after physical health when you're depressed. Yeah. No. Now start looking after physical health. Because if you eat right and you exercise naturally, it yeah. boosts your emotional well-being. And you forget about the physical health benefits you already will get from them. Mm. But yeah. we all know and research has shown that exercise boosts endorphins and serotonin yeah. and the happy hormone. Yeah. And it boosts a sense of emotional well-being that you cannot measure in words or on, mm. you know, on a, some sort of metric scale. Yeah, and that true. comes naturally. So any part of any mental health intervention will always mm. contain a form of exercise. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's very true. And just the importance of even you just touching up on that, like there's no mental health without physical and there's no physical, you know, with mental because they both go hand in hand. I feel like that's really important. Um, for everyone to recognize because I feel like a lot of people see it as two individual things like if you talk about your mental health it's like oh like they just feel like it's so different but you know people need to start recognizing that you know physical health and mental health both go hand in hand and if you're not okay you know there's actually um, a quote I came across the other day and it said um, you could be going to the gym you know drinking your water but if you know your mind isn't right then you know what you know what you're doing um you, like as in if your mind isn't right then your um your physical you know if so if you don't get your mind right um your mm-hmm. physical health will suffer and um i think that's really important because it's like it kind of goes to show that you know exercising is important and looking after your physical health and what you eat is important but also like what you feed your brain like what you watch who you listen to like all of this like all these little small small things that you know people might necessarily think about can also all affect your mental health um and i feel like if we start taking our mental health as seriously as we take our physical health you know whether that be you know like constantly watching what we're eating or how many calories we're having like 
then only then will we you know hopefully have like you know you know like methods to prevent our mental health from deteriorating and getting to a significant level where you know maybe not much can be done or you know if an early intervention had been done perhaps we would have stopped it from getting this bad if that makes sense um, 100% and all within moderation you don't have to have a six pack to be happy in life mm, that's true we don't like that and and you know if you want to have that odd slice of cake because you want to have a lovely coffee date with your best friend mm. all within that's actually perfectly plausible and it's perfectly fine and I would happily recommend that over you did not constantly denying yourself because that in itself will bring in a level of stress and anxiety because there are some people who are actually very over obsessive with counting calories Mm. and can go completely the other way and end up with an eating disorder so it's all within moderation and as long as you are enjoying this one life that you're given Mm. but enjoying it but understanding your purpose and working towards the purpose i think that's such a huge thing a lot of people are lost and feel um you know stressed and anxious because fundamentally mm. yes challenges come across but fundamentally if you miss your compass you are or you don't have a compass then you often find yourselves repeated repetitively being in such situations and i think yeah, this yeah. is from a personal perspective not from a medical perspective i feel yeah. mm. it's important to work towards something as humans we feel the need to belong and to have a purpose in life and mm. those two things are very basic to our inner soul mm. mentality and spirituality mm. in whatever form and mm. as long as we work towards that we, you know whatever comes your way mm. you will have hopefully tools and methods and hopefully this podcast and other platforms would have taught you tools and methods yeah on how to cope with it and if it becomes overwhelming you're aware of services that you can access so there's levels to this thing and it's important yeah. to look after ourselves from the get-go and not wait till you know Definitely. things go out of control definitely definitely um you know like you said it's 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 really important just even touching uh, like upon that you know what you just said about the compass and having some sense of direction or like purpose of you know why you're going through what you're going through um is really Mm -hmm. important because i think especially in this world like it's very fast moving it's very hectic you know there's always something happening um and i feel like if you're not you know steadfast or you're not like you know focused on that purpose as to why you're here in the first place then you can always sort of get really lost and then once you get lost like you said it can then incur you know a list of other problems and you know it can sort of lead you to finding yourself in a very dark hole um and i feel like it's Mm. important you know to have a strength strong sense of your you know direction because i think without a sense of purpose or direction then you know what is the point of life you know like you need you can't you really need that like you said like it's 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 really important and I think um you know a lot of us we tend we tend to forget it until we find ourselves in that dark hole and then we're like oh okay you know like how do I get out of here and then we start to find our sense of direction and purpose again but it's really important that we don't let go of it in the first place because you know once we do you know it can inevitably lead to you know a lot of problems and we can find ourselves in a lot of issues as well hundred percent but inshallah people you know you know this sense of purpose takes a very long time to find yeah, yeah. just even if it's having bite-sized goals yeah small manageable goals short-term mm. goals mm. long-term goals which you can yeah. by the way you have complete permission to change yeah definitely. god knows how many times i've reevaluated yeah. my goals <laughs> and polished my goals and probably will in the future but that's part of the excitement yeah, of life fine. you know you learn to embrace it and enjoy it yeah definitely. right so yeah. as long as you have you give yourself something to work towards and each waking day has a goal even if mm. it's something fun 
with yeah. something meaningful to you, do it. I yeah. think that helps safeguard your mental health, your mm. mentality, your spirituality, your sense mm. of emotional well-being, mm. I think, from the get-go. And I think mm. if you're just surviving and coasting through life, jumping from one problem to another, yeah. you're, you're, never, you're never going to be at a stage where you've got mental peace and clarity. I think mm. it's important to not just see life as a bulldozer of problems, yeah, but definitely. as something to enjoy and to thrive and seek those out. You know, yeah, you have to definitely. seek out enjoyable and joyous moments. You have definitely, to definitely. get yourself out there to see and seek out what you enjoy. You will not know unless you try it. You know, go yeah. hiking and see if you enjoy it. You know, yeah, go start definitely. reading a book and see if you enjoy it. Bake definitely. if you need to. Definitely. See if you like it. Yeah. It will be your outlet. Yeah, it's very important. And even like, like you said, just trying different things, like, because even if it's like outside your comfort zone, like, you never really know where it can lead you. Like, even myself, like, if someone told me one year ago, I would have started a podcast now, I probably would have laughed at them and been like, no way, because I'm not even though like, I'm a very outgoing person, I never really imagine myself having a platform, you know, although I always aspire to have one, I never sort of, you know, I almost felt like it was outside my comfort zone I didn't really want to like get on a podcast and speak about my life challenges and you know what I had been through um you know just because I was a bit scared and nervous but like Mm. even starting it in the last you know I think it's been two months now um and just like I find it quite enjoyable and like I also find it really fulfilling like I just enjoy like editing after and you know like finding different topics to do every week and finding like you know different people to feature and I just find it really fun and I feel like you know you you will never know if something's for you or unless you try it or like unless if you, you like it, it. Yeah, yeah it's really important you know what and we're so grateful for you for actually taking that courageous step Thank and you. developing this podcast because it is that little act of courage that you have no idea how much of a ripple effect it will have on somebody somewhere in their room mm. all isolated in their feelings who yeah. will hear this podcast or any any one of your podcasts and just mm. think to themselves this is what I've been waiting for you know, this, this could be an answer to their prayers, the signs yeah. they've been looking for. Definitely. And it just takes a little bit of courage from us. And to be honest with you, mm. it's it's something that's really useful. You know, talking, we often are our worst enemies and critique, aren't we? We often mm. think, who, who would want to listen to our story? Who would want to hear about mm. my experiences? Yeah. You know, you don't have to have cli- climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or survived the civil war to have something to talk about. You know, mm. your everyday experiences, which is relatable to somebody else, is what they may need to just give them the extra boost and the edge. And therefore, podcasts like yours are yeah. very welcome. They're very refreshing, breaths of fresh mm-hmm. air. Thank and they're you. extremely useful. And inshallah, I hope and pray that you yeah. see the effects of it and within, inshallah. you know, in the near future. And may Allah reward you massively you. and generously for what thank you're doing. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for, like, your kind words. And also, thank you for, like, even, you know, you know accepting to feature on my podcast. Like, I'd like to obviously thank you for your time. Um, and also oh, for your valuable insight and your valuable experience like I I genuinely loved having this conversation um, especially with such a like-minded individual that's also quite passionate about mental health so obviously I'd like to thank you um, once again for featuring on my podcast um, and yeah it's been a pleasure to have you on this platform and it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you um, and I hope obviously once I upload this um, episode, like it helps other people just for them to I'm also sure have like an insight into mental health and, um, you know, inshallah, I will attach like um, mental health help plans and stuff on this episode so that obviously everyone that's listening to it now, you know, that, you know, you can access mental health services. 
um, if you need to. And yeah, thanks again, um, Dr. Samira, for featuring. Um, oh, my, my pleasure. The pleasure was all mine. Keep up the good work. And I'm looking forward love. to listening to all your episodes. Thank you. Allah. Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, have a lovely evening. Take care. Take care. You too, darling. Thank you. Hi guys, so that's the end of today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you have any feedback or you have any other topics you'd like me to discuss on this podcast, feel free to message me on Instagram um, and I'd be, more, I'd be more than happy to accommodate for these topics. Thank you once again and have a lovely evening, guys.